as the Rubber Morris men's and women's lacrosse teams near the midway point of their 2023 schedules. They officially turn their attention into full swing towards conference play as the men's lacrosse get ready for Atlantic Sun battle and the women's team looks to reclaim Mid-American gold as both teams have completed pretty much, for the most part, their non-conference schedules. Welcome into the Colonial Sports Network Lacrosse Podcast, Quick Sticks, and I'm Nathan Breisinger, and I'm joined by several lacrosse analysts today. We have Evan Basista, Cam Acariola, and Sam Goldberg, all a part of Colonial Sports Network. Thank you guys for hopping on to another podcast. Thank you. Pleasure. Good, good to be back. Thank you. So obviously there's been a lot of action that we get to have to get caught up on. Uh, we It's been two weeks since we've had a podcast, and there's been plenty of action to go around for the men's and women's lacrosse team. And we're going to start with the most recent weekend as both teams were in action here at Joe Walton Stadium. Back-to-back weekends, that was the case. So the men's team had an opportunity to get back on the right track in a Sun Conference play after experiencing the loss the weekend before, which we'll touch on a little bit later in the show as the men's lacrosse team faced Cleveland State. So the Colonials were winners in that. And I know we had a couple people at the games. Um, Sam, why don't we start with you? A little bit of a breakdown of what you saw for the Colonials. A little bounce back win as they came away with an 11-6 to victory. It was a it was a inexperienced type of win, if that makes sense. This team, they lost a lot of pieces last year, and they're starting to fill those roles with a couple of younger players. But a lot of the, we saw a lot of long pole guys really step in on the offensive end, and it was, it was a, it was a. I'm trying to look for, trying to look for the word to put on, put on it, but in definitely in the fourth quarter is when Robert Morris really started to look like that dominant A Sun team last year. So hopefully. Yeah. I would I would agree. I mm-hmm. I would say the the Colonials got off to a great start, going up three to one through the first quarter, and then finished the game strong. And those are the two points of the games when you want to get those runs early and set the tone and end it with the same energy you started with. Yeah, there's a balanced attack. Four different players with two goals, so it's good to see kind of the depth there. Everyone getting in on the action. Yeah, and Sam, like you said, the Colonials looked. Very good and sharp in the fourth quarter. Um, big saves by Nate Randall. Big goals all over the place. Um, but I think the one thing that really stood out to me was the offensive production from the long stick defenders. And they were without Owen Down, who is an all-conference honoree just preseason for the A-Sun. But the Colonials were without him against the Vikings. And they turned to some other long stick defenders, including James Christopher Atus, who had two goals for RMU. And then you have James Leary, who's, who gets on the score sheet quite often for the Colonials, scored. And also, freshman Rowan Hines scored his first collegiate goal. So, a couple big goals there. And then you had Colton Lidstone scoring twice. Tagger Clark, Will McLeod with a couple pretty goals. So, you're, see, you're seeing some offensive production spread around. And it's nice to see your defense jump up on some plays and, and get some goals. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that clicked in that fourth in that fourth quarter was that extra final pass in the middle to bang home a couple of goals. That's what really was missing in the first three quarters. And ultimately what made it a game at one point, at one point it was a one goal game that allowed Cleveland state to kind of mold back in because one thing that the colonials still have, again, that inexperienced offense 
it, it they're growing. The chemistry's getting back. The chemistry's getting there. And but the biggest thing that they have to work on is not having that final turnover on like the last pass before that shot gets that that potential shot gets to the net. I think a big takeaway from this game is they were without all conference uh, preseason all conference Owen Downs and the uh, uh, the young guys stepped up amazingly for the missing piece and the defense contributed on the offensive side as you said earlier. Yeah, another uh, underclassman I wanted to shout out. You mentioned Nate Randall. Um, he had 16 saves on this one, a new career high for him, so he definitely stepped up with the absences like you mentioned. And yeah, Nate Randall was busy. That's And that's due in point that uh, Cleveland State Lee is like second in the, in in the shot NCAA yeah. in shot percentage. Like Some of the shots they were taking were quite wild. Like They were pretty easy saves for Randall, but at the same time, like Randall had to come up clutch and make some big saves as well. But Cleveland State is a team that's just not afraid to shoot the ball. And they they did that early and often, and Randall did Randall did the job that he had to do uh, in that game against Cleveland State. I think another point that we should also touch on on this game, the weather was something Absolutely, else yeah. about this game. The, both teams had to battle the elements. Some I don't know what the exact height of the winds were. I think it was up up to like almost fifty miles an yeah, hour. I'm guessing fifty yeah, if it's 50, blowing the nets yeah. nets off. The nets were getting blown off. The weather changed. It was sunny to raining at some point, and then the wind came in. It was just a wild. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sam and I were on the broadcast for ESPN Plus, and we uh. mentioned you know the work that Marty Golosi and Kim Graham were doing. Had to put some weight plates on the back of the goal to get them settled down, and mm-hmm. then. It cleared back up for the fourth I, quarter, and RMU took over. Yeah, I was directing that broadcast. I'd like to shout out all the camera people who battled the wind out there, too. <laughs> I know Zach was getting pushed around, but just quick shout-out to them. Well, another another big reason, too, that the Colonials won that game as well was the ground ball battle. They, they out-hustled. Cleveland State to pretty much every ground ball. It was they they beat them in that category by way more than double digits. Like it wasn't even close. Thirty nine to twenty one was the total and in favor of RMU. And that's the thing that Coach McDonald really alluded to that he really was happy with the hustle that the that the boys did in that in that game against Cleveland State. Ten to one to start the game off in the first quarter yeah. on ground balls. You know, and if there's one concern, I would say that RMU should be looking at is their discipline. Uh, Will Johansson took a couple penalties. Um, there was one that was a big hit that was a little bit from behind, but they called him. But Team even got one. Cle- Cleveland State had three man advantage goals, and two of them were from Gavin Held, who was their the Vikings' leading goal scorer on the day. So they need to be a little bit more careful. And obviously Cleveland State's not the, the powerhouse of A-Sun. They went 0-5 last year. They were looking for their first four-game winning streak in program history coming into Joe Walton Stadium. They had just come off of their first A-Sun victory as well against Lindenwood the week before. But when you start to come down the schedule, and you know we'll talk about the schedule in a little bit, but when you have teams like Utah you know, waiting for you and Air Force later in the season, if you could keep taking penalties, those teams are really going to make you pay, and RMU's got to clean that up just a little bit. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it could be better. Exactly. During the post game interview, Coach McDonald said just really getting back to basics, and because basics is what will win you games. If you can't do the basics, uh, just just don't even show up because <laughs> the basics of the game are the important. You, know, you gotta be you gotta be crisp on your passes, especially in the offensive zone and defensive zone to get to 
to clear the zone. It the basics. That's what he told his team to do in the second half, and it showed. They did the basics, especially in the fourth quarter, and they sealed the deal against Cleveland State. Just like the wind, it picked up late. <laughs> <laughs> the interview with him was a fun interview because I could not hear a single thing <laughs> with the wind. <laughs> it was just. It was just. Yeah, how'd you? <laughs> that's exactly how it sounded but nonetheless RMU gets the victory their first ace on win of the year making them even in the conference play and we'll get into that other conference game against Jacksonville in a little bit but let's go into the other game of the weekend for Robert Morris women's lacrosse on Sunday this past Sunday they played UC Davis the Aggies traveling 2,000 over 2,000 miles to Joe Walton Stadium in Moon Township here in Pittsburgh, and UC Davis, it was going to be a little questionable what they were going to offer. It's The Colonials have played them only three times in their history, and it's the first time since 2018. And RMU hasn't beaten the Aggies since 2009. And also on top of all of that, it was the first time that UC Davis has made the trip to the West Hills of Pittsburgh. And UC Davis pretty much controlled a majority of this game, came away with a 17-10 to victory. We saw some glimpses of the Colonials playing pretty good towards the end, going on a four-goal run in the fourth quarter, which made things a little interesting. It was still a five-goal game, but they showed some fight. But for the most part, UC Davis handled them pretty well. Hey, UC Davis, they came out hot, and they stayed hot the entire game. Like There wasn't a point where we thought that, that Robert Morris was going to come back in this game. UC Davis is a strong, strong team, and they and then they took care of business like the way that the way that UC Davis should. But Robert Morris, what I really liked what from what I saw, Jenna Irwin, obviously coming back from that injury, she had a couple of goals, and then G Anthony had three. Yeah, G Anthony, yep. yeah. So it just some of the some of the players that were question marks for Robert Morris coming into this season have really blossomed so far to start the year. I know that talking with Coach Katrina Silva after the game, this is stuff that she wants for her team. Like, Obviously, she doesn't want them to lose, but she wants them to be challenged by difficult opponents. And we've seen that with their non-conference schedule over the last two years because she she believes and the team believes that they are the best in the MAC, and playing opponents like this is what builds them up and get ready for that for to go out and win that MAC tournament. And also... When the team went down late, I was very uh, impressed by the way in the fourth quarter they put that little run together. They they brought it back to close. They never gave up. They brought it back within five goals, and it was a good team effort, and there's nothing to be ashamed of in the effort against a really good team that will be joining the pack next year, Pac-12. Pac-12, yep. Yeah, they, they kept it close at times, which is what you like to see, but again, they did run away with it in the third. Alex Agnew with on UC Davis with five goals, three assists. Massive day for her in that game. Agnew, Gabhart were very key players in this game. I mean, Coach Katrina Silva joked with us interviewing with uh, Michael Deemer. She was saying how uh, Gabhart was the same height as Deemer, and Deemer's a big guy, so it's going to be tough to win those face-offs with someone like Gabhart in there. And then also the goaltending by Ashley Lang was pretty Pretty good. She was pretty spot on, pretty sharp on a lot of opportunities. And speaking of goaltending, we did see a change in net for the Colonials. Jamie Keller was pulled about midway through the third for Cindy Riker was put in. 
and Sydney Riker did not have the easiest of goings to start off. She saw three shots and let in three goals right away, but she settled in pretty nicely in the fourth quarter, and that allowed RMU to come back a little bit, making it a five-goal game. But I think, you know, we talked a little bit of concern about men's lacrosse being undisciplined. Women's lacrosse was surely undisciplined, and that's definitely a key area that they need to work on. 11-4 to in free shot opportunities for UC Davis. And when there's a team like that lining up with all those opportunities, they're going to score. And that's exactly what they did for the most part, having several of their 17 goals be off of free position opportunities. Um, and I know one of those came from Lauren Hart, which is actually a local Whipple product from Upper St. Clair. So it was interesting to see that matchup between... Rivals with uh, yeah, Jamie Keller's former high school. Between Hart with Upper St. Clair and Jamie Keller is a Peters Township native, for those who know the, the Whipple and the South Hills. So that was interesting matchup to see there. And But UC Davis just you know took their opportunities and ran with it. And that's honestly, in the end, what you know, put down the Colonials was too many opportunities given up to them, and UC Davis just cashed in, and Alex Agnew, you know, ran that offense and ran that pretty strongly, and she was just all over the place. With She's some on spectac- pace to break some team records yeah, and she scored some, in their program. She scored some spectacular goals for the Aggies this past weekend. And, but And then this is just, you know, this is why I like Robert Morris playing these tough non-conference games. They later in the season as well. They welcome Notre Dame. I mean, this is some serious, serious competition, and I love, 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 love the confidence that they think they're the best team in the MAC, and they are. Yeah, they're preseason favorites. So, and essentially, these non-conference games are just getting them ready for the tournament. Like what you're going to expect, because I, that's where I expect this team to be in the tournament this year. I I expect them to win the MAC. They're the best team. Yeah, Without we'll, a question. And we'll go down their schedule in a few moments. And you mentioned besides Notre Dame, it's it's all Mac play from here on out. And UC Davis gave them a really good challenge and an opportunity on home turf, which was nice to see the Aggies come in. And compared to that Saturday game, much nicer weather on that day. <laughs> so, But RMU came up short 17-10 to 10 and a lot, a lot of things to take away from that. But, you know, you mentioned Jenna Irwin had a pretty nice game. Gia Anthony had a couple goals. Colleen Tift had some nice, really, really nice moves on some isolation plays and was able to get free and score. So a couple good takeaways, but some things to work on. But going back a weekend, we're going to go back to the doubleheader weekend that was occurring on March 18th, two Saturdays ago. And we'll start with the women's game. With that one, they had an opportunity to play the Queens Royals in another non-conference tilt. And Robert Morris able to walk away with a very tight victory towards the end with an 11-10 win. So a nice non-conference opportunity and win. And they did that very thing. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great victory for Robert Morris because Queens, it's their first ever year ever in Division One coming up this year. They are in the A-Sun and they won... Three straight coming into that game after losing their first after losing their first three in the coming into coming into that match. So they were riding a three game win streak, looking to make it four. And Robert Morris, they played a really great game. It was a vintage Jamie Keller performance that day against Queens, really shutting down what Queens likes to do. They they like to sometimes run it slow, and then all of a sudden they throw a tic tac toe play at you. It's Jamie Keller was on point. And she made she she had a stellar day. Yeah, uh, she had a great day. I believe it was her tenth double digit save game. I could be wrong, 
but I'm pretty sure I mentioned something that in the post game yes, article. Yep. Yeah, 10th d- double. Yep. Yeah, so great performance by her. We'll talk about some awards she got in, but it was a great early start for the Colonials, jumping out to a 5-2 lead. And then it was a little on and off for them offensively. First and third, putting up five and four goals, and then in the second and fourth, only getting one, and it almost cost them the game, but they preserved. Yeah, I had the opportunity to cover this game, and there were times in the fourth where I was, I was worried. There was that late-game scare, uh, but ultimately the one-goal win. Uh, Jenna Irwin, a big day for her, four goals and an assist, and then Lily Haddon with three goals and two. First career hat trick yeah. for her. So kind of a sp- two-headed, spearhead the offense with them in that one. Yeah, Jenna Irwin, four goals on the day, and um, – that w- that made it six in six and three games. Three games and the uh, three games she had just come back. First three games of the year from coming the back from lower injury. body injury. So good to see her come back and you know touching also just back on that um, UC Davis game. She she looks like she's building her speed back up and that- she she had one play where I I believe it was her or Colleen Tiff or both of them. They could have made the same exact play. They planted that right foot and shook the defender mm. off and drove to the net and it was for a stellar goal. Yeah, and so that speed, and Jenna Irwin obviously was a breakout candidate last year, so it'll be big to see what she can offer the rest of the year. But, I mean, the only other thing about the takeaway from this is RMU, obviously up 11-8 to eight there, and three goals made it pretty darn close towards the end. Uh, a couple goals, Shannon Donovan and Shannon Kingston for Queens. Made it an 11-10 game, and they sort of had to – Army sort of had to hold the ball there's, there towards the end. So There's some, some penalty trouble at the end in that one, too. There was one called with, I believe, like exactly one minute left. Uh, so they had to kill that off in the final minute, which had me sweating a little bit <laughs> up in the box. Yeah, so fun fact about the officiating from that game. So yes. one of the officials um, from the men's game had to step in because one of the officials couldn't make it for the women's game. And there's completely different rules um, from the men's to the women's side. and Which they did not. Yeah. Know. So <laughs> As the, well. the men's official just didn't really know the rules of women's lacrosse. And that's why there were so many stoppages and stuff like that. But going back to the end of the game and killing off, killing off the penalty and – the defense played really well, and the defense caused that turnover, which ultimately sold the deal for Robert Morris. The defense, the defense had played really, really strong in this in this game, and there were there were a couple points at the end of the game where they were scrambling, but besides that, it was a strong defensive effort. And Cam, you alluded to it before. A couple awards the Colonials received: Lily Haddon for her first career hat trick, received Offensive Player of the Week in the Mid American Conference. And then Jamie Keller with her nice performance on the day, winning Defensive Player of the Week. So two awards for the Colonials, sweeping the MAC Weekly Awards for them. So that was a nice little tribute to their performance against Queens. Now, speaking of those men's lacrosse officials, let's get into the game that happened just before that for the doubleheader. Robert Morris, men's lacrosse, welcomed him in number 11, Jacksonville, a newcomer to the Atlantic Sun Conference. And... Jacksonville was just every bit of that number 11 ranking as they really posed some big problems against the Colonials as the Dolphins defeated RMU 12-6. to Jacksonville, they're as advertised as a lacrosse team. They will come at you in every single direction. Uh, they'll have, they'll, they have a fantastic amount of set plays that they run. Their offense is poetry in motion. 
and their defense is tough to break, and that was really evident in that game. But Jacksonville, they they just love to run a lot of misdirection, and it was pretty evident because Dylan Watson didn't have to do much for Jacksonville. Just take a couple steps out of their left or right of the net, and he's wide open, right? And it's an easy goal. He had six goals on the day. Dylan Watson can absolutely controlled the end of that game, including a goal within four two goals within four seconds of each other to end the third quarter yeah just stellar play by him six on the day and can the team completely <clears throat> shut excuse me shut down the colonials offense and you know one thing that i i had the opportunity to talk to craig mcdonald after this one and early there was a couple different moments that really i took notice of and early in the game rmu and jacksonville were tied 1-1 and Army had a man-up advantage. They couldn't score, and Jacksonville scored, like, three goals in the span of, like, five minutes, and that sort of just took away all the momentum Army had, and they, they really didn't get back into it until the third quarter where it was 8-4, to four, and then they scored back-to-back goals from Liam Keen and Tagger Clark, and they kept Jacksonville off the score sheet for about 10-ish minutes, and then right when you thought Army maybe had a chance, Dylan Watson did Dylan Watson things and scored two goals in four seconds, and that second goal... Came with one second left in the third quarter. So Dylan Watson then took control from there and scored the final four goals of regulation and just absolutely dominated for the Dolphins. Yeah, and that contributes to how good that team is. They they just pulled off an upset against Duke, I believe. Yeah, about the third game, I think, into the season for them. Yeah, so super tough opponent. Um, the Colonials will get to see him again, hopefully, eventually. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the, in the A-Sun tournament. So. The, the biggest thing that killed Robert Morris in this game was offensive turnovers, especially, you know, especially in that crease area. It, it, it was right there for them, but Jacksonville did a great job intercepting, getting a stick on some of the, some of the balls in the middle. And they really shut down both Taggart Clark and David Burr, which was really surprising to see. And that's kind of that's kind of happened, not for, not so much Tiger Clark, because but for David Burr, he's been kind of on a little bit of a cold spell as of late, which is surprising to see. But in all honesty, David Burr, he's one of the better players on this Robert Morris team. I think he'll pick it up as we proceed further into a Sun play. Yeah, Tiger Clark had one goal on the day against Jacksonville two weekends ago, and. David Bird, like you mentioned, he's been also a nice surprise for the Colonials roster. Pickup transfer from Rutgers, a sophomore. He has 13 goals on the year, and he, he has been held scoreless the past two games. So we'll see how he transitions that into the rest of ASUN play. And speaking of that, let's take a look at the standings, and we'll start with ASUN conference play. Air Force leads everyone three, three wins, no losses in conference play, 6-3 and three overall. Jacksonville trails right behind them with a 2-0 record along with Utah. Utah 3-4 on the year so far, but do expect them to pick it up in a some play. Bellarmine, Robert Morris, Cleveland State all split even at 1-1. Mercer, a newcomer, 1-2. Lindenwood, Queens, Detroit Mercy all 0-2. And Robert Morris will see Detroit Mercy coming up here in a few days. Now for the women's side of things, no one has played a MAC game yet, but Overall records, Kent State 3 and 6, Central Michigan Robert Morris both 2 and 6, Youngstown State 2 and 7, and then Detroit Mercy, Eastern Michigan and Akron all with one wins on the year. But that takes us to, 
you know, the upcoming games for both teams. So let's look at the women's teams, what they have ahead. And they head over to Youngstown State this coming weekend, a 1 o'clock face-off in Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah, they're facing the 2-7 and seven Youngstown State Penguins. Um, the offense just looks to not be there from the Youngstown uh, team this year. They lost one of their big players. Um, her name's leaving my head uh, at the moment. L- Lauren Ottensmeyer. <clears throat> she left the organization to go to Cincinnati, and she ended up scoring a couple goals on Robert Morris when Robert Morris went to Cincinnati. But a good matchup up ahead. The last year was a three-way tie for the MAC champion regular season championship. So uh, the Colonials want to uh, avenge that regular season loss versus Youngstown, and also Youngstown wants to avenge their MAC tournament loss. To Robert Morris. I think these next two games for them are going to be a big test. Youngstown State and then Kent State following that. Uh, if they they want to show, because obviously a, a slower start granted out of conference play, but this would be a good like start to see where they're at within the conference, kind of how they fare. And I think Jenna Irwin, as you mentioned, um, she'll be a key part of that coming back from the injury. I know uh, after the Queens game, they, uh, one of her teammates said post game that she's back better than ever. Um, so we'll see if she can continue the strong start and help them into conference play as they start that. Yeah, and then they follow it up with a matchup against Kent State on Wednesday. I believe that's at the Joe. And uh, so Kent State's going to face Akron to start their MAC play. Um, but. Great matchups for the Colonials to start their MAC play, and uh, we're going to see where this team stands. Yeah, I, I fully, I fully expect Robert Morris to easily handle both Youngstown State and and Kent State. I honestly, I, I, I just love. I don't even, even. Yeah, they might have struggled a little bit in in non conference play, but they played some really good competition, and to have double digit goals against a strong opponent in UC Davis really really opens my eyes for this women's team i just think they're oozing with confidence and i i just really think they're just going to dominate these matchups against youngstown state and kent state because i just think they simply have the better team in both matchups yeah and obviously as cam said they the penguins have lost a couple players to the portal uh transferring to other teams but robert morris went two and one against the penguins surprised them in that last regular season game a year ago but Colonials took care of them once the MAC tournament rolled around to get back to the championship game, which they came up a little bit short against Central Michigan. So definitely think that Robert Morris has that as a chip on their shoulder to win another MAC crown after they were, you know, just short on it last year. But now the men's team moves on. Cam, where are they where are they headed this weekend? Hit it, Nate. <laughs> They're heading out to Detroit. Oh, that's a great song. I love that. Um, but yeah, they're taking on the 0-6 Detroit Mercy Titans. And uh, it should be a matchup in favor of the Colonials. The Colonials have an all-time record of 8-1 and against the Titans. Their last matchup, a, a decisive 12-5 victory after a six-goal second quarter. But... Some uh, that's <laughs> that's uh, going to be a great matchup and a great uh, 
Yeah. yeah. I think for their next their next several games, you'd fully expect them to win. Detroit Mercy, as you said, zero wins on the year. Mercer, a one-win team. I think if if they don't win both, they should be there, or they would be probably disappointed. Yeah, the that that game against Detroit leads them into a matchup against uh, Mercer, and Mercer also struggling the season two and seven, and uh, that one one of those wins is against Detroit Mercy by a score of sixteen to twelve. So uh, I'd be I'd be very shocked if the Colonials come back with the. Uh, Without two wins, yeah, I like this. I like the start of the schedule for Robert Morris for a some play. They get two, they get two easy tests in Detroit Mercy and Mercer in Detroit. Yeah, Detroit Mercy and Mercer. Wow, that's a tongue twister in itself. And then and then they get a test against Utah, which, my goodness, the script writers absolutely got it right last year. That greatest. That was the greatest story for a Sun last year. And they'll look to continue the rivalry against Utah. Bellamarin, it's going to be a toss-up. Bellamarin's a really, really strong contender this year. I like the way they've been playing. And then Queens is going to be interesting because this is the first matchup all time between Robert Morris and Queens as it is their first official jump to Division One. So that'll be that'll be an interesting contest at Queens on April 15th. Um, for Robert Morris. Going back to that Wednesday matchup against Mercer, I'm looking at it. They they only lost to Jacksonville uh, by a score of 18 to 15. So that's a pretty high scoring game. Hopefully the Colonials defense can uh, shut down that uh, Mercer offense. Yeah, and obviously with Detroit Mercy, the first game coming up here on Saturday, or pardon me, this Wednesday, um, Army. Eight and one all time against the Titans, so have a pretty good track record. Took care of them pretty handily the last time they played them last year. So Robin Worst looking to get into ASM play and, and get some more wins. Uh, one and one currently, and same for the women's lacrosse team looking to get into some conference play and snag some wins. Now a lot of games coming up in a short amount of times. Women's and men's both playing what basically what every Wednesday and every Saturday how their schedules are shaking out. Um, so we're just going to see a lot of play, and especially for women's, because there's a lot more games on their docket. They think they have nine left, and men's has seven. So a lot to unfold as we get here and um, going in April. Yeah, and really, really what both these teams have to focus on, definitely for the men's side, they have to continue what they did against Cleveland State in the fourth quarter because that was poetry in motion. It was just fun lacrosse to watch in that fourth quarter. And then for the women's side, it just got to continue to putting it together. You know, they got to, they got to get back into the flow of things. They, they played some tough opponents in non-conference and I fully expect them to dominate again, heading into Mac play. And I think we both saw glimpses from both teams, as you mentioned, Sam, with men's lacrosse there against Cleveland state in the fourth quarter. And even, you know, women's lacrosse against UC Davis, putting up some goals late in that game. But that is going to do it for us on this episode of Quick Sticks. And as always, make sure to check out ColonialSportsNetwork.com and check out our social media at RMU underscore CSN on Twitter and Colonial Sports Network on Instagram. So I thank you guys once again for hopping on the most recent episode of Quick Sticks for Sam Goldberg, Cam Macariola, and Evan Basista. I've been Nathan Bracer. 
Thank you for tuning in to the most recent episode of Quick Sticks.